All right, family, let's just pray before we get in the Word. Father, I worship and praise you. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity, but incredibly heavy responsibility that I have of ministering your Word to your children. Father, I know where I was when I met you. I was nothing, Father. How could I take any glory for anything accomplished? For I should be burning in hell right now. But it's only by your grace and your mercy that I am here. And it's only by your anointing and your power and your grace and mercy that I'm able to do this. This is your word, not my own. This is your anointing, not my own. I bind any pride, self-promotion, self-agenda, anything that would trust you your glory. I reject and bind. Glorify yourself, Almighty God, in and through me now. Speak to your children as I surrender to you as a vessel, nothing more. According to Matthew 10, verse 20, speak, Spirit of the living God. I become less, you become more. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. amen. Say, I declare that my spiritual ears is open and my heart is receptive to receive only that which you, Holy Spirit, are saying to me today. Now say this with a heart of faith. Say, Holy Spirit, please speak to me. I'm listening. Amen. So family, we are teaching on a very meaty subject, if I can say that. Paul said that there is the milk of the word, the milk of the word that you grow by, and then there is the meat of the word. It's the more deeper the more spiritual things, and just like meat, you've got to kind of chew it a lot before you swallow it. So we are teaching one of those subjects today, but it's critical, family. It's critical that we, we receive the whole counsel of God. Amen? Not just the few things just to get you emotional and put you on a good, good attitude. The responsibility of the church is to equip you for eternity. Amen? It's to empower you in this world here and now, but it's to equip you for eternity. If I just play, uh, preach fluffy messages, giving you a good attitude, and things are good and things are great when they're not, but not equip you to overcome, family, I failed. It's not about me. Not about the church. It's not about me being cool. Not about me giving a cool message to you. My responsibility is to equip and train you and prepare you for eternity. Your spirits, your souls, your blood is on the hands of the church. Shame on the church. Shame on the church. Amen. So family, how many of you listen to the first message on dreams. Can you wave at me? Can, can everybody who didn't listen to the message on dreams just, just wave at me just so that I can see? Don't? Okay, that's wonderful. Family, this is a very important message. You have to listen to part one because we're building a foundation and it's deeply spiritual. Deeply spiritual. Say this. Point your finger at me. Say, Pastor Carl, I would rather you slap me with the truth than kiss me with a lie. Amen? 
So family, we are talking about dreams and the dream realm. And how deeply spiritual this dream realm is. Last week, we activated people in the dream realm. How many of you have had dreams subsequent to that? Profound dreams. Family, please write those dreams down. We are going to start to move into the interpretation of dreams. Many people have contacted me and shared dreams and said, wow, this and this and this. And they all have incredible significant meaning. Incredible. God has been doing phenomenal things through dreams, family. So how did the subject come across? Well, we got involved in ministry three years ago. It was never our plan. Never on my radar to get into ministry. God called us. I said, well, you wanted to do this. You must build it. And he has. Amen. And earlier this year, the Lord thrust us into a new dimension of ministry. Something we weren't looking for. Something we would have probably wanted to stay away from. (laughs) That is the ministry of deliverance. Amen. Where all of a sudden we got exposed to the really deeper spiritual things. Amen. And praise Jesus, we've grown so much in that area. And um, subsequent to this, my wife and I started to have the like really strange dreams. I never used to dream before. Prior to ministry, I had a few like profound dreams where God spoke to me very clearly. But we started to have these really strange dreams. And, uh, and so this has been a subject that I started to really tap into. And every night, and you must be praying this. Every night, pray for the Spirit of God to speak to you in dreams and write them down. And the Lord has been ministering to us in such a powerful way, revealing so many things that we will get into. But we learned in part one that God's preferred way of communication to us is in the dream state. Amen? We proved that through all of those scriptures that some of the most important instructions that God gave was in the dream state. And we know that if, we, if, this, if this gift of dreams and understanding dreams and, and being open to it, if we do not actively pursue it, it becomes silent. It becomes a silent channel. Like many of us just stop dreaming. Amen. So this is, this is a spiritual gift that we need, to, we need to really push into. And when God in the dream realm, our natural man, our, our conscious self is sleeping. It's out of the way. But our spirit man, which is the real us, the real you, you are a spirit. Amen. With a soul. This is just an earth suit that you're wearing. Amen. You need this earth suit to function in this dimension. One day you will take off this earth suit. Scripture says you'll take it off like an old tent. Amen. And your spirit, which is predominantly who you are, will go to heaven. And God is a spirit. We proved that last week. So when God speaks to us in dreams, he speaks directly to our spirit man. So he bypasses all our natural reasoning. Because that doesn't work with faith. We always try to 
overthink faith and outreason faith. So God speaks directly to our spirit man in the realm of dreams. And what can happen in the dream realm, listen to me, what can happen in the dream realm can and will become manifest in the natural realm. The dream state is a spirit state. It is the bridge between the spirit and the natural. The spirit created the natural. Amen. The father or the parents of the natural realm is the spirit world. Proved that last week. Things that are visible was not created by things that are visible. There were invisible forces that created this natural world. Amen. Now there are spiritual laws that govern the natural and spiritual laws that govern the supernatural. And it governs the interaction between the two. Now God has used the dream state, the spirit state, it's one of those, nat- those spirit and natural laws where the two can interact in our dreams. God designed this to give us instructions, to warn us, even to bless us. Many, many reasons. It is the bridge. But the devil knows this and understands this very, very well and uses it for his devices for those who are ignorant. 1 Kings 3 verse 5. In the NRV. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wow. So God appeared to Solomon at night in his dreams. If you read that account, I encourage you to go and read it. We're not going to go over it for time's sake. But God and Solomon had a lengthy conversation. So who was God speaking to? The spirit of Solomon. God, who was a spirit, was speaking directly to the spirit of Solomon because his natural mind was asleep. And after a long conversation, it comes to a conclusion in the dream realm. 1 Kings 3 verse 9 in the NRV. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? 1 Kings 3 verse 11 in the NRV, God responds and says, Since you had asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor had asked for the dates of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been in the history of man anyone like you, Solomon. Moreover, I will give you that which you have not even asked for. Even though you haven't asked for the blessing, I will give it to you. Both wealth and honor. 
so that in your lifetime you will have no equal amount uh, among kings. Sorry, I think that's a spelling mistake. Yeah, among kings. Now you see in this situation, and as we learned last week, God came into an agreement with the spirit man of Solomon. And during this dream state and this agreement that they had, there was a spiritual bridge and there was a transaction from the spirit into the natural. Solomon woke up that morning and immediately he was the wisest man that has ever walked the earth. When Solomon woke up, immediately the anointing of prosperity was already in operation in his life. That transaction happened in the dream state. Amen? With the real person, God created initially, initially the spirit of man. He formed man out of the dust. And it was a lifeless earth suit. Amen? Then God breathed of himself, his spirit, his life into the earth suit of man. And so when God speaks in dreams, he speaks to the spirit man. Say this. The invisible dream state is a bridge. From where the Spirit can manifest into the natural. Amen. Now family, just as God uses this vehicle to bring blessings to the spirit of man that becomes manifest into this natural realm, how many of you know that the devil uses this as well? With great effect. God uses this to bring blessings, to bring spiritual gifts, to bring instruction, to bring guidance. The devil uses this to bring sickness, to bring curses, even death, in our dream realm. Say this, everybody please, I'd like everybody to participate. The devil can make transactions with our spirit in our dream state that can become manifest in our natural world. Matthew 12, sorry, Matthew 13, verse 25 in the NIV. While everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and they went away. The enemy attacks us when we are most vulnerable, when our defenses are down, and that is in the dream state. When you are all dreaming, that is when the witches and the warlocks and the demons are active. Amen? That's when everything is actually happening, and we are in our most vulnerable state when we are sleeping. 
We have a look at this, uh, the story with Samson and Delilah. Scripture says in Judges 16 verse 19 in the ESV. They could not defeat Samson, this anointed man of God. But Judges 16 verse 19 says, She made him sleep on her knees and while he was sleeping, he lost his anointing. While he was sleeping, he was defeated. He woke up, he had no strength. This anointed man of God lost his anointing. Amen. We have the story of Jonah. Jonah 1 verse 5 in the NLT. Jonah was disobedient to God's instructions and he ran away from God's calling and God's instructions. He was disobedient. He went on a ship and the scripture says that a huge storm came. So much so that these sailors were fearing for their lives. And we read in Jonah 1 verse 5, fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to the gods for help. You can imagine the story. They threw cargo overboard. They were going crazy. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. How is that possible? How is it possible through all that turmoil that Jonah was sound asleep? You research that sound asleep that talks about a, a death sleep, something that is imposed on someone. While he was sleeping, the enemy was attacking. Many of you might say, well, no, but Pastor Carl, it was God that brought the storm, as the scripture alludes. But no, that's not true. The original translations of the original text, it has a, it has a permissive, which, permissive and a causative meaning. So that, that all of those scriptures where God done this and God done that, that can be just as much translated as God allowed that. You see, you have to understand how the spiritual realm works. Many people see things happening and they think that it's God that's doing it. But in actual fact, you can understand it like the courts of heaven. God wants to protect his children. But every time we step out of obedience we step into sin we do like what jonah had done who is the accuser of the brethren the devil the accuser of the brethren goes before the throne of god and says god that man guilty or innocence that woman guilty or innocence and the righteous judge the courts of heaven have to give a righteous decree guilty And then the devil has full right, legal right, to attack you. It's not God doing it. Amen. Then we have the accounts of Jesus Christ going over the lake to set the demoniac free. And a great tempest arose. And all of these great fishermen on the boats, Peter, all of these uh, career fishermen, thinking the boat is sinking, crying out to Jesus. Where was Jesus? Sleeping. How is that possible? Haven't you thought that before? Can you see God is trying to get a point across to us? Amen. Am I the only one? I guess so. You see, family, Hosea 4 verse 6 in the NRV, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Amen. 
because of our lack of knowledge of the dream realm and of the spiritual laws, we are being destroyed like sheep to a slaughter. Because we just don't know any better. We're just ignorant. We have these really strange dreams. We wake up, we say, wow, that was a weird dream, but it's just a dream. No, it's not just a dream, family. It's not just a dream, family. We're going to look at some spiritual covenants. We're going to look at some spiritual covenants, transactions that happens in the dream realm where the devil uses this. Now, I have to just warn you now, and for those watching, we are going to PG territory. So, at any point in time, if you're feeling uncomfortable with what I'm saying here, um, then you can maybe take your child outside. It's not, it's not really bad, but I'm just, just warning you. We're going to just speak the truth now. Is that okay? Amen. Okay, so, the highest form of agreement between God and man, between the spirits and the natural, is a covenant. We can see the image of covenants in terms of marriage covenants. Amen? A covenant is usually sealed by blood. Amen? And, as I alluded or touched on last week, the marriage covenant is a covenant that is to be sealed by blood on the marriage bed when the marriage is consecrated. Amen? And in, during this consecration, during this covenant period, there is a natural covenant that takes place, but there is a deeply spiritual covenant that takes place. There's a spiritual law in motion that happens. And we look in Matthew 19, verse 5 in the ESV. A man shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. And the two will become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined, say this, God has joined God has joined. Together let no man separate. So here we see as a man and woman consecrate their marriage and after they have been united physically there is a spiritual joining by God. You get that? There is a physical action and there is a spiritual Spiritual joining by God. Amen. Because obviously they are two different people. Obviously they don't all of a sudden come out of the marriage room and they're one person. Amen. So this refers to the spiritual aspect of two. They become joined spiritually. Now, is, does this only work in the eyes of God and in holy matrimony and under the covering of that? No. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 15 in the NLT. Now, I need to stress this point. Paul is addressing the church of Corinth. 
This is not unbelievers. He is speaking to Christians, a very spiritual church, the church of Corinth, functioning in all the gifts of the Spirit. He is speaking to the church. Do you get that? Not unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 15 in the NLT, he says, Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Wow. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Jesus Christ? Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that as a man joins himself to a prostitute, what is he talking about? He becomes one body with her, for the scripture says the two are united in one. Amen? I don't care if you're a Christian, non-Christian, member of Christ or not. You entertain sin. You open the door for demons. I don't care what you think. I'm telling you, you're wrong. Christians have demons. Family, having sex outside of marriage opens the door for a very powerful weapon that the devil uses to infiltrate Christians' lives. Very, very powerful. Now, I'm going to tell you a story quickly because I want to give you scriptural and experiential understanding of what I'm talking about. Amen? A couple months ago, we prayed for a precious child of God. This lady loved the Lord. This lady was living a righteous life, pursuing the Lord. But this lady was having challenges in her life. And so she came to us and started to tell us these challenges. And so we said, sister, we'll pray for you. And so we began to pray for this lady. And suddenly, in this child of God, demons started to manifest in her. And these demons started to speak to us through this precious child of God. And as we interrogated these demons to try and find out why are you in this child of God? Because as children of God, we have protection. Amen. As children of God, we have protection. But the scripture says in Ecclesiastes 10 verse 8 in the King James Version, Whosoever breaketh the hedge of the protection, a serpent shall bite him. Amen. Many people are blaming God for the circumstances. I say take a good, long, hard look at your life. Amen. We need to close those hedges, family. Sin opens the door. And so we started to interrogate these demons by the power of the Spirit of Christ. Saying, what right do you have to be in this child of God? We found out that there were 70 demons in this child of God. 
And these demons said that they came in through a curse. I said, what right do you have to curse a child of God? For the word says that none can curse that who God has not cursed. Amen? So we interrogated these demons. How did you get in this child of God? And so we discovered that this woman's husband was having an affair. He was sleeping with another woman who wanted him for herself. She went to go see a, a warlock close by. Went to go see a warlock. They initiated curses. They done all their witchcraft to go on this lady. It could not get on this lady. Could not come on this lady. But when the husband slept with his wife, they went through this woman who was joined by him spiritually and straight into this woman. Amen. I'm telling you the truth, family. I'm telling you the truth, family. These are not areas that we need to be playing with, family. Are you all still good? Nobody run out yet, kicking and screaming? Family, this is a message of love, family. Family, now I have taught you that in the dream realm, it is the spirit realm. And demons use this spirit dream realm to establish covenants. Sex and sexual interactions is one way which they do it. They reinforce covenants. They even reinforce spiritual marriages. And I want you to hear me loud and clear now. It is not normal to have sexual dreams. It's not normal. It is not normal to have sexual dreams. If you are having sexual dreams, you already have a demonic covenant in place. We have had many, hear me? Okay, I'm not going to go there. Family, I cannot stress this enough. When people are having sexual dreams, they are actually engaging with demon spirits. The spirit you is engaging with a demon. I'm going to give you a story. Another story. I told you, family, this is heavy, but you need to know. Amen? I'm going to tell you another story. You guys okay? This is not too heavy for you. I was praying for a lady. Ursa loves the Lord. As far as I know, living a holy and righteous life, serving the Lord. She was married, a husband serving the Lord, on fire, came to me for prayer, and she was having sexual dreams. But in these sexual dreams, she was only 
engaging with her husband. Never anybody else. It was always her husband. And so the husband knew about it and they were good with it because it's, it's normal, right? They felt it was normal, it was part of the relationship and they, they didn't see anything into it. But it's not normal, family. And when I prayed for this lady and we cut off the covenants and she learned about this, a little time after that she came and told me that she had this dream again. And this apparent husband approached her in a dream and she said no hang on a second yeah in her dream she said you're not my husband i reject you at that moment her husband in the dream began to transform and started to change and transform into this demon since then, praise the Lord, to the best of my knowledge, she has never had this again. You see, family, the demons will never show them to you in their grotesque, horrible form. They've been doing this for thousands and thousands of years, and they know how to work with people. And so they disguise themselves. They disguise themselves as our spouses or as other people. And scripture says 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14 in the ESV that Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise, family, that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Family, another way where these demonic covenants are established using this vehicle is through pornography. It's through pornography. We've prayed for people that are rooted and they demons tell me he, this person's had sex with so many demons. Where? Through pornography. When people look at pornography and they fantasize about that, they are engaging directly spiritually with demons and they are establishing covenants with these demons. It's like that marriage covenant. Matthew 5 verse 28 in the New King James Version. Jesus says this, Whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery that's not talking about holding hands family that's not talking about having a wonderful communication relationship with each other that's not talking about friends whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart that's not a physical blood pump that's in the spirit realm Amen? Family, this is a very serious matter. There's many things that I could share with you, but I can't. I can't. There's many things that I could tell you about this subject, but the Spirit of God is just restraining me. I can't. But I need you to understand that this is a very, very serious matter. Even with children, you better watch what your kids are looking at, family. You better watch what they have access to. 
You better watch what groups that they are on and what access that they have. You better watch what you are looking at. Amen. And family, hear me. If you're having challenges in these areas, you need deliverance. You need deliverance. Amen. We're here to help. Praise Jesus Christ to set you free. Amen. Are you all good? I've never had the church this quiet. Mark, you guys are making me so nervous. I think I'm going to end this message now. Was it ended? You guys enjoying the meat? We're going to look at another powerful way of establishing covenant. We look at what is commonly known as the Last Supper. Holy Communion. The Passover meal. The covenant meal. Matthew 26 verse 26 in the NLT. Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces, gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this represents my body. Is that what it says? For this is my body. Then he took a cup of wine, which is grape juice. I can prove that to you. There's no time for that. And he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. When you partake of holy communion, you confirm, reassure, uh, reaffirm and enforce the covenant that you have with Jesus Christ. John 6 verse 53 in the NLT. And Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. John 6 verse 55 in the, 55 in the NLT. For my flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now, family, Jesus is teaching a deeply spiritual message here. Deeply spiritual. Just like I'm doing right now to you. And we see what happens. The carnal church did not want to embrace it. Many people listening, many people watching, maybe some of you sitting here might not want to embrace it either. But it is the word, it is the truth. We read from John 6 verse 60 in the NLT. Many of his disciples, 72 in fact, said this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? What if you had to see the real spiritual things? You cannot accept dreams. You cannot accept what I'm telling you the truth. And how will you ever be able to receive the deeper? Because there's so much more, family. Deeper spiritual things. If you cannot get the spiritual 
truth behind this and get offended by this, you will never understand the deeper spiritual things. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. The very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So family, when we take Holy Communion in the natural, there is spiritual laws in motion. There is a spiritual transaction that takes place. When we naturally eat the bread, we are spiritually eating the actual flesh of Jesus Christ. When we drink the juice, we are actually drinking the real, the true blood of Jesus in the spirit realm. And this confirms and reestablishes the covenant which we have with Christ. It's like a covenant, like a marriage covenant in community of property. What's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. My debt is your debt. My blessings is your blessings. We are in covenant. Amen. When we take Holy Communion, we confirm and establish all of the, the, uh, the, everything, we become heirs and reinforce heirs with Christ. Amen. We're going to go back to Abraham, the originator of the human lineage, which we discussed last week. God had covenant with Abraham to legally be born into this earth. Jesus, Jesus couldn't just come. He's not going to enforce, he's not going to break his own laws. You have to listen to it. I haven't got time to discuss it now. God established a covenant with Abraham in his dreams. Now we're picking up the story where Abraham's uh, relative, Lot, was kidnapped by some mighty kings. So Abraham went and he took his servants and they went and they pursued these kings, mighty kings. He overthrew these kings. He beat them, rescued his, brother, uh, his, his red relative, Lot, and directly afterwards, we read in Genesis 14, verse 17, in the NLT. After Abram, who later had his name changed to Abraham, returned from his victory at Kedor Laomer and his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God Most High, brought Abraham some bread and wine. Melchizedek brought Holy Communion. He brought a covenant meal to Abraham to reinforce the covenant that was established. Who is Melchizedek? We look in Hebrews 7 verse 2 in the NRV. The name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. Melchizedek was without father or mother, without genealogy, 
without the beginning of days or the end of life, resembling the Son of God, Melchizedek remains a priest forever. So Melchizedek had no earthly parents. He had no genealogy. He had no beginning. He had no end. Melchizedek was eternal. He was Jesus Christ come in the flesh, the king of righteousness, the king of peace, to reinforce and establish the covenant with Abraham by eating the bread and drinking of the wine. It was a covenant reinforcing practice. Now, family, demons also use this spiritual law to establish and reinforce covenants by causing people to eat and to drink in the dream state. Very often, these demons will disguise themselves as relatives, usually family members who have passed away. We are not to see any family members in dreams, family. It's demonic. So they disguise themselves as family members, usually people who we had a great love towards, because then we're very open open to these people and in the dreams they will give us food to eat they will give us stuff to drink sometimes gifts sometimes there's a transaction that takes place money in the dreams this is all covenant practice this is all indicative that somewhere in the genealogy, in the generational line, and we've seen this up to 20 generations back, that there has been occult or witchcraft practices that has happened in that family line. And if you understand witchcraft, which actually all of this comes from practices that God established, They use drink, they use food, they use money in doing these um, occultic practices and then it's sealed with blood sacrifice. And family, I want you to know that if there's been money that has been transacted in your dreams, there's a strong meaning that a spirit of mammon has covenant with you. A mammon spirit is a spirit that governs the financial realm. When you start to see, you just can't get ahead. Things are just not working out. Things are just consistently failing. It's a strong indication that there's a curse in operation. You see, when money is transacted in a dream, you are actually tithing to the demonic realm. People don't understand how important tithing is. Tithing is covenant 
covenant. Hang with me. We read on the account of Abraham and Melchizedek, Genesis 14 verse 19 in the ESV. And he blessed him and said, Be blessed, Abraham, by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be by God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Abraham was establishing covenant. What's yours is mine. What's mine is yours in the financial realm. We see this in dreams, family. This blew me away when I saw this. I didn't know this. We see this in the dreams. And this is where the devil wants to paralyze the church. He wants to paralyze the church financially. Because guess what? Get off your little religious horse. The church needs money to reach the gospel. Get off your religious offensive horse. The church needs money to pay for the venues. The tithe belongs to the Lord for the furthering of his church. If there was no tithing, I wouldn't be here. People don't understand tithing. No, God's trying to take my money. God's trying to protect your money. But there's a demonic stronghold over your mind. You think that by giving God 10%, he couldn't bless the ninth. But that's so foolish thinking, family. I'm going to take you a step deeper. Are you ready? I'm going to galvanize this revelation with you now. Hebrews 7 verse 8 in the New King James Version. Talking about Melchizedek and Abraham. Referring directly to this. He says, here mortal men receive the tithes. It's like taking communion now in the natural He's talking about what exactly happened with Melchizedek, the communion and straight to the tithe. He says, here mortal men receive the tithe, but he, Jesus Christ in heaven, receives the tithe, family, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Say this, everybody, tithing is like Taking holy communion. It is covenant. Family, you cannot go complaining to God because your, financial, your finances are not working if you're not a tither because you are not in covenant. You are in disobedience. God cannot bless the rest because the first batch is not holy. It actually belongs to God. Malachi 3 says, God says, why do you rob me by not paying your whole tithe into the storehouse? Not by blessing the people on the street. It belongs to God. And when we do that, guess what? He can bless the 90%. But apart from that, mammon is ruling you. Spirit of mammon is controlling you. Family, if you are having sexual dreams, eating and drinking and exchanging money or gifts, jewelry in your dreams, you need deliverance. Praise Jesus. He has anointed us 
to set the captives free. That's one of the mandates of the church in general, not just this church. The church in general. You can contact us on admin at christencounter.co.za and book an appointment with Almarie or 081 Five double seven four nine eight one.